This is the Cleveland Guardians Fancast with your host, Quincy Wheeler, a podcast about the Cleveland Guardians and their fans. Welcome to the Cleveland Guardian Fancast. I'm your host, Quincy Wheeler. You can find us at Guardian Fancast on Twitter. You can email me at Quincy at GuardiansFancast.com. Interested in anything you want to share with me about the trade deadline? If you have trades that you're thinking about and like to get my opinion, if you have guys that you'd like to get my opinion about whether the Guardians should trade for them, well, now's the time to get those questions in because we don't have much time left before the deadline will be here. Had the first kind of trade of the trade deadline season going on with the Yankees landing. Andrew Benatendi for three prospects they sent to the Royals um, good for the Yankees and hopefully they lose and hopefully Ben Attendee loses with them so we'll see what the Guardians do or don't do but tonight was an exciting game to see the Guardians beat the Red Sox 7-6 to they had a lead uh, gave up that lead when Cal Quantrill in the 6th gave up another a second home run in the game to Bobby Dalbuck uh, Quantrill put two pitches right in the heart of the zone to Bobby Dalbuck they got crushed this game and you know that's basically why he had a poor start and he admitted that after the game people were upset that Tito left him in but with 85 pitches and you have no off day till August 8th and you had a bullpen game yesterday and you got a game where you're gonna have to use a lot of the bullpen with Kirk McCarty and you have a game where you have one run lead so you could have to go into extra innings whether or not Cal Quantrill pitches you got to try to get Quantrill to go more than 85 pitches. So I fully support Tito on that. Totally different story than having Brian Shaw go two times through an order and up to 50 pitches. That's just crazy. But Quantrill needed to try to get it out. Didn't work out. He's in a bit of a rough stretch. Hopefully he figures things out. You know he'll work hard at it, and I'm pretty confident he will. And the nice thing with him is we know at least his his floor somewhere is as a pretty darn good reliever, but I'm still confident in him as a fourth starter. So just wanted to talk to you a little bit about the trade deadline. I spent some time just trying to think about what some deals could look like for the Guardians if they decided to be active. And again, I'm not necessarily expecting them to be active. Uh, but if they are active, maybe you could see them trade Franmil Reyes, who had a good game tonight. Good job, Franmil. And Sam Hinches, uh, left-handed relief pitcher, to the Braves for Dylan Lee, who's a left-hand relief pitcher, and Justin Henry Malloy, who's a prospect, first baseman, third baseman. So Dylan Lee is currently on the Braves bullpen. He's got a 2.7 FIP, and uh, he's got 9.69 strikeouts per nine and 0.69 walks. He looks pretty great as a reliever. Uh, he's the kind of reliever you want to have on your team. Um, he's under control. Uh, f for the foreseeable future. This is his first year in the bigs. So really, that might be all you could get for Fran Reyes. Now, I was thinking maybe if you put Sam Hinches in, he's a reasonable facsimile of a good left-hand relief pitcher. So maybe you could get another prospect. If that's the case, Justin Henry Malloy, lower end of the Braves prospects. He's got an 106 WRC plus in AA. 20.9 strikeouts, 20.9% uh, strikeout rate, 14% walk rate, 
the kind of player that the Guardians like. Not necessarily somebody who's got a hugely high ceiling, but right-handed hitter who could have some utility for you and fill in at third base if need be. So that's the kind of player I could see them looking at. But again, I, I think if you traded Framo Reyes, or maybe even Framo Reyes and Sam Hinches, and you got a reliever like Dylan Lee, you probably feel pretty good about yourself. So that's a possibility. Second trade I thought about. So if the Guardians were to trade Zach Plesak to the Cardinals, who are looking for starting pitching, uh, thinking perhaps they could get Tink Hints. Uh, Tank Hintz is a pitcher who's really dominating right now um, for the uh, Cardinals, and uh, I've liked him for a while now, kind of looking at what he's been capable of. Um, his Fangraphs page isn't coming up for me right now, but I know that he's an A-ball, and he's absolutely dominating. He doesn't walk anybody. He strikes out everybody. Uh, he's the kind of guy that the Guardians like a lot. And he's only 19 years old. He's not Rule 5 eligible until 2024. That's another thing about Justin Henry Malloy, not Rule 5 eligible until 2024. That's the kind of thing that the Guardians will be looking for. Now, I suggested that maybe they could get a, another guy, a catcher, who's just hit the A system. Uh, I mean, just hit level A for the uh, Cardinals, but I don't really know that they'll be able to. You probably feel pretty good getting Tink Hints, but maybe you could also get a decent relief pitcher like Andre Granillo, who is at the Cardinals high system. He's a right-hander, six foot four, 22 years old, 12.32 strikeout rate, 5.68 walk rate, which is a little high, but that's the kind of guy that the Guardians can work with and hopefully get the most out of him and give themselves another bullpen option. So maybe you could trade Zach Plesak for Tink Hintz and Granillo, and Granillo is not Rule 5 eligible until December 2024 as well, so you got a couple more pitchers in your system. People would say, well, why do you trade Plesak now? Well, you know who Plesak is. You get Tink Hintz, and he's got the, the ceiling to be a number two starter probably, and then you get somebody who can maybe be a reliever, uh, you just kind of get the chance to build up the back end of your rotation and get somebody like that who you might not be able to get at another time. Now, if the starting pitcher market is high enough, maybe you could get a player like I was talking about, Leonardo Bernal, who is a catcher, not even Rule 5 eligible until 2025 for the Cardinals. He's 18 years old. He's handling things pretty well in low A which is amazing for an 18-year-old and also a catcher. He looks like he's got potential to stick at catcher. So if you could get a player, three players like that who aren't real file eligible to fill up the back of your minor league system for Zach Plesak, I think that's where you'd see the Guardians make that deal. Otherwise, I think they probably hold on to him. So another deal that makes a lot of sense to me, and we kind of talked about it, Will Brennan to the Phillies for Donnie Sands, catcher, and Andrew Brake. Baker, right-handed relief pitcher. So Donnie Sands, as you've heard me mention, is a right-handed hitter. He's a catcher. He's 26 years old, and he is in AAA for the Phillies. He's got a 148 WRC+, 457 slugging, um, and he just <laughs> seems like he's a great fit, not really able to fit on the Phillies roster right now. Would be great to fit with the Guardians, have Hedges and him split time, and have Sands be able to come in late in the game. Get those at-bats that you need him to get and finish out the game catching. He's really worked on his framing and his catching in the minors. 
just would love to see him come over to the Guardians. Maybe it's straight up for Will Brennan, but I think Brennan probably has enough value at center field and what he's shown. He might be able to get a pitcher like Andrew Baker, who's at high A. He's 22 years old, 6'3", 190 right-hander, 11.06 strikeouts per nine, 6.18 walks per nine, 4.92 XFIP. So he's got some issues with walks. If he could handle those walks and get those tamed a little bit as the Guardians, you might have yourself a viable relief pitcher. And if not, uh, you know, you just you gave yourself a shot. Not Rule 5 eligible until 2024, so you don't have to worry about putting him on the roster. So that's kind of the idea there. All right, now here's the more exciting trade, I guess. Now, my theory is that starting pitching is going to come at a huge premium, so the Guardians are probably going to have to pay a good bit to get a starting pitcher. Uh, so uh, what I suggested was Nolan Jones... Hunter Gaddis, right-handed pitcher at Columbus, and Jose Tania, shortstop at Akron, to the Marlins for Pablo Lopez. That's a lot. And some people have said, well, you should probably try to do Will Benson there instead of Nolan Jones. Absolutely. I would do Nolan Jones. I would do Will Benson over Nolan Jones every time. But I'm thinking it might take somebody like Nolan Jones, and then you have to bring Will Benson up and hope that he performs well for the Guardians. Uh, at that point and then you have George Valera coming up as well you know you can afford to lose Nolan Jones but I'd much rather keep him if possible so maybe in this case it's Nolan Jones straight up for Pablo Lopez but I think it's probably something like Nolan Jones and Gaddis and maybe Nolan Jones Gaddis and Tanya that's kind of the really high end so that's what I suggested out there really like Tanya really think he's a major league shortstop that's a lot to give up Jones and Tanya really like Gaddis as well as somebody who could probably be a four or five starter and at least it's going to be a decent bullpen arm. So really, I would hope that it would be something like Jones and Gaddis or Jones and Tania, depending on what the Phillies want. But with Pablo Lopez, you're getting somebody who is a number three to number two starter. He's not a free agent until 2025. Right now, his numbers are 3.44 XFIP. Uh, 3.84 XERA, 3.63 FIP. Uh, he's got 9.16 strikeouts per nine, 2.72 walks per nine. Um, just the kind of pitcher that's really solid in the middle of your rotation, and a guy who's only 26 years old, 26 years old in four months, who's got the potential to develop a little bit, and you'd hope that the Guardian system could maybe get a little more out of him. So again, I think... I'd like to think about this trade more as Jones straight up for Lopez, but considering the market, I think it probably has to be Jones and Gaddis or Jones and Tania, something like that, some some level of player like that. And maybe, like we said, it could be Benson and Gaddis, Benson, Gaddis, Tania, Benson and Tania, somewhere in there. But to get Lopez would really, really solidify this rotation. He can also pursue guys like Scooble, guys like Tyler Malley, uh, maybe Herman Marquez if the Rockies are dealing. Those are all guys that the Guardians could look at that I'd be interested in. But those are some names to think about. Uh, and, you know, as you think about these systems, no, we're all hearing about Pablo Lopez's and we're hearing about Tariq Skubal, um, but we're not hearing about necessarily the Tink Hinses who may someday be number two starters in the major leagues. They're really exciting guys. And the Guardians have the ability to say, well, we have prospects around the verge of the 40. We can trade them for guys we really, really like at the low A or high A levels. And I think it's important to remember that that could very well happen. So I've spent a lot of time talking about the trade deadline. I'm going to give you a chance now to hear an interview that I did 
with a Guardians fan named Jimmy. And uh, hopefully it's a good way to kind of relax this morning and hear a fan interview. Hope you enjoy it. I definitely enjoyed doing the uh, interview with Jimmy and appreciated his time. Hey, it's Quincy, and I'm here with Jimmy. Jimmy, who I think is has been my uh, my white whale of uh, podcast guests. How many times have we tried to arrange this interview, Jimmy? Several times. You and I both had stuff come up <laughs> that oh, just yeah, kept man. us from doing. Yeah, but if we're just two guys that want to talk baseball, so I just I just wanted to mention that because I thought it's kind of funny. Uh, but yeah, so great to be able to talk to you. How are you doing today? Hey, I cannot complain. We're we're at the All Star break. You know things are good. Tribes two games two games over five hundred. So, you know nothing to really complain about in the baseball. Yeah, side. no. And we got to see. We just got to see Jose Ramirez in the home run derby, which was fun. I, you know, I immediately thought when I turned on the derby, I was like, you know, Jose doesn't really hit long home runs. He hits a lot of home runs, but not long home runs. I wonder how that'll affect him. And I think it it did have an effect. I think he. He might have had a shot if he had some more time, but um, he definitely he definitely could have beat Pujols or Schwarber. I know that. Yeah, totally. Well, uh, Jimmy, tell me uh, about how you became a Cleveland baseball fan. Uh, well, for me, it's always been, I think, for like so many Clevelanders, just such a family affair, um, you know, and just from a very young age, having the game on in the background and just kind of being something that um, – I just found myself really appreciating, you know, the older I got um, and really how, you know, the Cleveland Indians, Cleveland Guardians just became um, kind of the commonality between so many different groups of people in my life. So whether that's my dad and my brother, um, whether that's, you know, friends from high school, it, it seems to be kind of the team and following them that's kind of kept, kept us all together, whether it's just, you know, complaining about the night before or, or celebrating you know all, all the good things uh that the team's been doing but um for me it's it's always really kind of been about that connection and just something that's kind of grown as the years have gone on yeah well that's great i uh i really love that you know friends and family over the years you know even if we haven't kept in touch that the the you know real close that um, the Guardians will always provide us something to kind of connect on. We can always find a little bit of common ground and then go from there. And uh, yeah, I think that's, it's really neat. It's one of the things I love about doing the fan interviews is making those connections. So um, as far as your time being a Cleveland baseball fan, what are your, some of your favorite Cleveland baseball memories? I think there's so many to pick from, but I think my favorite memory of a season was that 2013 run. Um, for me, that was right when I graduated high school. So, um, right after my senior year and I spent like the entire summer down at the ballpark. I mean, I think I went to 25 or 30 games or so that year. Um, but for me, that was the first team. I think I really kind of fell in love with, with following daily and just so many exciting wins, um, you know, during that time with, with. I think that was Tito's first year, if I remember correctly. First or second, yeah, I can't quite remember. Yeah, um, but the, the season kind of ended with um, me. I was a freshman at the University of Dayton, so 
about four four hours away, you know, from Cleveland. Um, and my dad actually drove down the day of the wild card game to pick me up, bring me home. You know, we went to the game together and then, you know, made the same drive the next day. So um, that, that was a really, really special moment. The game didn't go, you know, how I'm sure we all would have liked it to end. Um, <laughs> but that was, you know, that 2013 team, I think was the team that made me, you know, really fall in love with, with the, with the, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland baseball. Um, and I mean, what a run, you know, they've had since then. It just feels like every year at the very least they're in it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. In this Tito era, but that, that's probably been my favorite. That's, that's a great choice. You know, I've had people mention it and certainly the Giambi walk-off that a lot of folks have mentioned, but uh, as kind of a seminal year of fandom, I don't know how many people have, but that's neat. And you're right. That is the year that Tito was hired. So that's kind of, a uh, pretty watershed moment for the franchise where we got this super successful hall hall of fame trajectory manager to come and and uh, certainly done some great work here that's great uh so what uh, how about your any any favorite players that you've had over the years i think it was just such a pleasure we got to watch Corey kluber pitch you know at the height that he did um i was at a game I remember we played St. Louis when I think he had 18 strikeouts, you know, if I remember correctly. And I've just never to this day seen a more dominant performance, you know, in a baseball game. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, he was truly, and I think, you know, sometimes we get glimpses of it with Bieber, but um, Kluber, man, he, he was that guy that, you know, you cleared your schedule and he was pitching um, yep. because he, and especially when he was good man, he was on and, it was incredible to watch him pitch. Yeah, I remember. I remember a couple of of Kluber things that really stood out. It's it's good to remember how dominant he was because I think we can easily forget. I remember uh, one of those games towards the end of 2016, where it was a one that the Indians were ahead one to nothing, and he just dominated the other team the whole game. I can't remember which team it was exactly. But I just remember the team's Facebook page posted an image of him just walking off the mound like, you know, <laughs> like he always did, like nothing was nothing had happened. And everybody in the stands was just absolutely losing their minds because he'd struck out and they had a, struck out the side and they had a one zero win. And I think their caption was, are you not entertained? And I think it was it was just it was just a perfect one. It's exactly what it felt like. It's just just an absolute killer out there. And then I also, I got to go to the game one of the World Series and uh, he just, the Cubs, you could see the Cubs players walking away, just shaking their heads, asking each other, what's he throwing? Like, what, what is that that he's putting out there? And uh, just felt like he couldn't get beat. Yeah, I mean, that run with him and Miller in, you know, 2016, um, you know, one I'll never forget. And I don't think a lot of Cleveland fans will ever forget. I mean, he was just, it was just so much fun to watch and, you know, just such a great, you know, ace to throw out there of you have a two or three game losing streak. You throw out Corey Kluber, you know, and he's going to, he's going to take care of business for you. Yeah, definitely. Cannot overvalue that. Well, tell me what you think about the current team, Jimmy. You know, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I, I think um, I was higher than most people, you know, probably were on the team, you know, feeling like they could be a, high 80s potentially low 90 you know win team um 
I've been super impressed with with the hitting and how you know a lot of the young guys have come together. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's just been you know through the ups and the downs, it's just been so much fun to watch guys come to fruition, right? And, and to find you know the Andres Jimenez's of the world just you know really take advantage of of being an everyday player and um, you know I, I think the future is is extremely bright and. Um, you know, for the first time in a while, it feels like we have more guys than spots, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I'm really excited to see, you know, these next couple of weeks. I know that they got a big road road uh, trip coming out of the break um, and see if they can maybe, you know, keep this interesting these next couple of months and maybe make a run at sneaking in the playoffs. Yeah, it'll be fun to see. I'm with you and all that. It, I, it is. I like how you said it's the first time in a while that you feel like we have more players than spots. I was even I was at a game recently and somebody in front of me had the roster of the 2016 team. And I was thinking about how much I mean, it was a better roster than what we have currently. But I do think it was kind of a thinner roster in some ways. Like there weren't as many guys that you were like, OK, this guy could be like if everything breaks right, they could make an all-star team like Jimenez did this year, or, you know, they, they could just, they could be a very good player. And we have a lot of those guys around. They may not all pan out, but we have a lot of those guys around. And I think that's a very good sign for the future. Yeah. I'm, I can't wait. You know, it's, it's, it's truly a, a joy to watch them, you know, watch them play every day. Yeah, agreed. All right, Jimmy, thank you so much for spending some time with me. Is there anything that you want to tell anybody about? Uh, you know, I have a, <laughs> I have my own little, uh, a little group of listeners, but if you have any, anything, your, your Twitter or uh, charity or anything to tell people about. No, I just, um, nothing, just, you know, a, a Cleveland boy that, that loves baseball and like all of us, you know, we're just waiting for the big one, man. And hopefully, yeah. you know, this next wave of players, it's it's coming. And, um, you know, hopefully we, we're entering a stretch that we're all going to remember for a long time. That's right. And I know, I know you've got uh, kids just like I do and looking forward to them enjoying baseball as well. And, and that's a special thing. So hopefully it'll be a good time for all of us. All right. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Quincy. Don't forget to check out SheetsGiggles.com for some great betting, uh, great gifts to give for your partner if you're thinking of something special to kind of make their life a little more luxurious. Some sustainably made sheets infused with eucalyptus to help you sleep and help save the environment. Check out SheetsGiggles.com and when you check out your items, make sure to use the promo code GUARDIANS to save 15%. This has been the Cleveland Guardians FanCast. You can find us Monday through Friday on any podcast service that you prefer. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, like, and download so that we can continue to produce these podcasts for your enjoyment.